TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. This is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on WEEI. Welcome in. We are with you until midnight. I'll see if I can mix in a parody song at some point tonight. So everything's on the table. If you want to talk C's, that's certainly on the table. Are you believing that this team could actually win a championship? I certainly do. I'll tell you why in just a little bit. And if you do want to vent on what isn't going on with the Patriots as it pertains to their free agency, that's on the table. But I want to start Red Sox. How do you feel about this team right now after the signing of Trevor Story? The number 617-779. 7937. So, one thing to point out before we get into story in particular and some of the takes that have been thrown out there about story. The first thing you need to know is this. So, before the signing on Sunday was announced, the Red Sox had a 62.5% chance to make the playoffs by Fangraphs metrics, okay? Not familiar with Fangraphs, very great baseball site. I suggest you go on there. I suggest you become a member. It's awesome. But nonetheless, the Red Sox Prior to the deal, we're at 62.5%. Or I should say, sorry, prior to the deal, they were at 48.5%. So 48.5% to make the playoffs prior to the story deal. After the story deal, up to 62.5%. So they were below 50% before they signed story, and now they're up to 62.5%. Look, I'm not telling you that Fangraphs is the end-all, be-all, although I do really enjoy the site. But it certainly gives you an idea of how impactful that move was for the Red Sox to add a power bat to this lineup. And now you start to look at things. And some of the takes that I've heard over the past couple of days about Trevor's story, they're just sort of aggravating to me. Now, one notion that I want to get to first is this. This whole idea of, well, look at his home road splits. I understand what they are. I looked him up immediately when they were interested in Trevor Story. See, I looked this up like five days before he signed, like when the interest was there. And then you start to do some research on it, and you start to see that other guys that have left Colorado and gone to other teams, they've performed better on the road with their new team, if you will. So let's just take, for example, the most recent guy, the recent star to leave the Rockies and go to the Yankees. So bear with me here. DJ LeMahieu in 2018. At home, he raked 317, 360, 433, 794 OPS. On the road, DJ LeMahieu, 229, 277, 422 slugging, 699 OPS. So DJ LeMahieu, just like Trevor Story, and of course his final year, 
with the Rockies sucked when he was on the road, right? So you look at, for example, Story was one of these guys that was horrible on the road throughout his career, 241, 310, 442, 752 OPS. Okay, but at home, 303, 369, 603, 972. Great at home, bad on the road in terms of the numbers. Well, that's very similar to DJ LeMahieu, as we pointed out. But LeMahieu, when he goes to the Yankees, those road splits actually become really good. So... Still really good at home, as you would expect. DJ LeMay, who's a great hitter, on the road, 318, 359, 459, 818. So here's the thing. What jumps out to me is it's got to be just a jarring difference for a player to play in Colorado and then go on the road. And the reason I say that is the breaking balls break significantly more on the road than at home if you're playing in Colorado. So I looked into this. Okay, so if you look at DJ LeMahieu, or excuse me, if you look at Trevor Story, what's the pitch he struggled with the most? The breaking ball. Last year, 215, he had, he had just a 403 slugging percentage, and he had a 37.1% whiff rate. So he was swinging and missing at a lot of breaking balls. So it just points to the fact that when these guys are playing in Colorado – compared to when they're playing on the road, it's totally different. The breaking stuff, based on the numbers that you look at here, that's the thing that screws up the player. So now playing at Fenway and then playing in New York or playing at Fenway and then playing in Tampa or playing at Fenway and then playing at Camden Yards, who apparently they changed dimensions there, it's not going to be as jarring as a difference. We've seen it in guys like Arenado. Same thing with him in terms of his final year with the Cardinals or I should say his final year with the Rockies, road numbers were not great. He goes to the Cardinals, and they're actually a little bit better. Same thing with Matt Holiday when he left. Now, Holiday was just a great player in terms of his numbers in totality, but his road numbers got better. The OPS went from 892 to 909. The slugging went from 486 to 541. So all these numbers got better when he left Colorado and he played on the road with St. Louis. So that's my one thing to kind of, extinguish that flame everybody going nuts about the splits with Trevor story well we have evidence in recent history that guys once they get out of Colorado in terms of play their home games there their numbers on the road get significantly better oh the other thing I wanted to mention real quickly here is I feel like there is a certain portion of the media and portion of the fan base that wants to get on the Red Sox for not spending money and they had this whole idea of, oh, yeah, the Red Sox aren't going to spend this offseason because Correa came off the market. Freeman came off the market. Oh, the Red Sox aren't going to spend money. Well, they did. So now there has been this narrative that people are just throwing out there. Well, the only reason they are signing Trevor stories because they don't want to sign Xander Bogarts long term. Well, you don't know if that's true or not yet. But wouldn't you rather have a security plan? Wouldn't you rather have protection if Xander Bogarts? I don't know opts out of his contract and leaves after the season? Because the reality is the Red Sox aren't going to get a deal done with Bogarts right now. It's not going to happen. You know who Bogarts is represented by? Scott Boris. Scott Boris was not happy with Bogarts last time. Bogarts wanted the contract extension so badly that he's the one that told Scott Boris, no, I want to get it done now. Get me an extension done now. He did that after the World Series. And by the way, Bogarts, after the extension, had his best season. And then last year, he had an even better season than that, right? And he was good in the shortened season of 2020. But we don't like to remember that as people that want to watch the Red Sox play. But my whole overwhelming point being, as it pertains to the Bogart situation, is Bogarts was warned by Scott Boris not to sign that extension. And 
part of Boris letting Bogarts do it, so to speak, he said, hey, make sure you get an opt-out. So this time around, Bogarts isn't negotiating a contract. He is getting to free agency. So you're going to have to bid on him. And look, you got an advantage because you're his hometown team and all that different type of stuff. But I think this is smart by the Red Sox. I don't think I know. I don't know why I said it. I think I know this is smart by the Red Sox. In case he leaves, now you have a backup plan in Trevor Story. And how about just in the immediate? The Red Sox needed to do a move like this, or I should say make a move like this, Bloom in particular, to send a message to the clubhouse. And I referenced this when I was on with Brad Foe over the weekend. Do you remember what happened after the trading deadline last year? It turned out that the moves that Bloom made, they were actually really good. Hansel Robles didn't give up an earned run from the beginning of August until the end of the season. I mean, Robles, he had a 111 opponent's batting average. It was remarkable to turn around, and I, nobody saw that one coming. If you thought that Robles was going to come here and be dominant, you're a liar, okay? I don't believe you because I didn't believe it, and nobody else I knew believed it, right? So you look at the Robles situation, that worked, and, of course, Schwarber ended up being the best bat that was moved at the trading deadline. But you remember right after the deadline, Schwarber, remember when he came over, he was injured. And the Red Sox were not happy. And by the Red Sox, I mean the players. Remember, they were upset with High and Bloom in the front office. They didn't do enough. And the Red Sox went on a real slide after the trading deadline. It was a bad message sent to the clubhouse. And now, even if in the long term, High Bloom was right, he made the right moves. He got Schwarber, he got Hansel Robles. He made the right moves to upgrade this team, so to speak. But there was a there was an effect that I don't think High and Bloom weighed in properly. As a numbers guy, as an analytical guy and all that, he was just looking at getting the best deal, right? All he gave up for Schwarber was the 18th prospect in the organization at Aldo Ramirez. So he was fine with doing it. He thought it was a great deal. He didn't want to give up big-time prospects in the farm system, which you can totally understand considering the fact that he was brought here to try to rebuild the farm system, and he has. They went from 23rd to 9th in Baseball America's rankings in terms of their farm system. So when you make a big deal in the future, you want to be dealing from a position of power and having a surplus of prospects, not getting rid of big-time prospects at this juncture when you haven't rebuilt the farm system right. So you can understand it, but he didn't take into account the personal level. Or maybe he did. He just didn't think it would have the effect. Those guys were mopey. Those guys were pissy. Those guys felt like the front office didn't believe in them. And it turned out they were wrong because clearly they did. They gave him the necessary players to make a deep postseason run two games away from the World Series, right? But my overwhelming point is there was a bad temperature in the room after that. You couldn't have this same scenario happen again because now the Blue Jays make the move for Chapman. They now I, they lost Simeon, but they make the move for Chapman. And you think about some of these other teams around the sport right now. The Dodgers go after a guy like Freddie Freeman. The Yankees, and look, the Yankees are the Yankees, but they make the Donaldson trade. I mean, it doesn't move the meter for me too much, but people were pumped up that the Yankees got Josh Donaldson. So you saw all these other contenders, even a team like the Rangers, right, who were crap last year. They got Marcus Simeon, who was third in the MVP voting. They got Corey Seager. I mean, they are loading up. Not to say that he's a great pitcher, but they got John Gray. Like, that team is loading up. So the Red Sox had done virtually nothing. They got Diekman, who it feels like that's going to be a nice impact left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen. I'm not dismissing that whatsoever, but you hadn't made the splash. And you had to send a message to the clubhouse that you were all in, not for the future, but you were all in for 2022. And I believe Bloom certainly did that with this move. And from talking to Bradford over the weekend, he was down there. There was 
as he said it, a spark in the clubhouse. There was an energy in the clubhouse. You had guys on the Red Sox calling up Trevor's story to recruit him to come here. It's a different energy. So now these guys feel, all right, we're ready to roll. We're And this offense right now, the lineup, it's better than it was a year ago. And one of the things I like more so than anything else about this lineup, and I hope they do it this way, they need to put Devers and Story somehow back-to-back in the lineup because now Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez are really good hitters, so I'm not trying to take shots at these guys, but they don't hit left-handed pitching the way that Trevor Story hits left-handed pitching. As great as those guys are, you know who had the best OPS against left-handed pitchers last year on the Red Sox? Kike Hernandez, 850. And I love Kike, you know that. But think about it. He had a better OPS against left-handed pitchers than two unbelievable right-handed hitters in Bogarts and J.D. Martinez. Bogarts was at 818. J.D. was at 826. And as I alluded to, Kike Hernandez at 850. Well, here is the thing, and here's why you need to have Story and Devers back-to-back in the lineup in some capacity. Well, Story has a 974 OPS against lefties, and we all know what Devers does against righties. He has a 972 OPS against righties last season. So when you take that into account, you have a guy that clobbers left-handed pitches, pitchers rather, and a guy that clobbers right-handed pitchers. Those guys need to be back-to-back in the lineup. And the other thing I would allude to is this. The Red Sox were not great late in games. Remember, they were 16th in OPS after the seventh inning. And part of it was they didn't have a guy that clobbered left-handed pitching. Now they have that guy in Trevor Story. You have the guy from the right. You have that guy that hammers righties in Rafael Devers, and now you get the guy that clobbers lefties. So that's what's going to make it even more difficult for teams to match up with the Red Sox late in games. Because remember, one of the things about the Red Sox, and we alluded to the bullpen all the time last year, the offense was not good after the seventh inning last year. That's just the reality of it. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on the Red Sox, that's on the table. There is one other thing I want to mention about Trevor's story, which I really like about this move. I'll get into that in just a little bit. Also, what do you make of the Celtics right now? Are they going to make a championship run? And I believe there is a certain accolade that a member of this organization should be getting more consideration for. I'll get into that. And if you do want to weigh in on the Patriots and them not essentially doing anything in free agency, that's on the table here at 617-779-7937 right here on WEI. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Busy day for the Sox. They avoided arbitration with five players. Rafael Devers gets $11.2 million this season. Alex Verdugo, $3.55 million, who I have predicted he is going to lead the Red Sox in hitting this year. Since the start of August last year, he hit 328. Now he's got a lot of protection in the lineup, and we were doing our lineups over the weekend, Brad Foe and I and Ann Brown of MLB.com. Interesting note that Ann Brown had. Cora likes him behind J.D. Martinez. And it makes sense. I mean, he hit the ball really well when he hit after J.D. Martinez last season. So I thought maybe they'll push him up in the lineup, but it feels like he's going to be somewhere between 6 and 9 in the lineup. Ever since he became a father, that was when it all took off. Yes, the rock the baby. Good call, Justin. I forgot about that. Nick Pavetta, he's going to make $2.65 million in 2022. Christian Arroyo received a one-year $1.2 million deal. Josh Taylor getting just over a million dollars. Speaking of Taylor unlikely to be ready for the start of the season due to a lingering back issue. Here's some good news. The Sox remain undefeated in spring training games. 
6-0. They beat the Rays 4-2 this afternoon. Rich Hill, two scoreless innings. I'm sure Joe Castiglione was really happy about that. Bobby Dahl back a two-run double. The Sox will get the Twins tomorrow, 105 first pitch on AM 850. The Seas continue to roll. They've won four straight. They top the Thunder, 132-123 on Monday night. The Green will host the Jazz on Wednesday night. A dominant performance for most of the game until the fourth quarter. The, it, the Trey Mann thing was aggravating me last night. Somebody put out that fire. I know Smart wasn't playing, but somebody put out that damn fire. That was getting annoying. The Bees coming off that 3-2 to overtime win over the Canadians on Monday. They'll host the Lightning on Thursday night. Hampus Lindholm will make his debut in that one. The Pats, of course, signed Trent Brown to an extension. Some details on that. Tom Pelissero reports the deal is worth up to 22 mil. It includes a base value of $13 million and $4 million in guaranteed money. There's also playing time incentives, which you would expect with a guy like Trent Brown, who struggles to be on the field. Good when he's on the field, but you got to get him on there. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to WEEI Late Night on WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Trevor and Xander potentially up the middle and then Kike and Sunday. I mean, yeah. What, do you, what does that mean to you as a pitcher, knowing what you might have up in the Again, it's like, you know, you're, you're going to be pitching to contact even more. So um, you saw everything Kike was able to do last year in center field. Um, you know, you also got Jackie out there, too, and we know how talented they are. And then you're going to have, you know, Bogan Trevor up the middle. I mean, our team immediately gets a lot better, and it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, Nate's not worried about the defense. That makes one of us. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you want to weigh in the Trevor Story move, what does this mean for the Red Sox? And what else does Bloom still have to do for you to be satisfied with this offseason? 617-779-7937 is a number. It's funny that Nate mentions the fact that now he can pitch to contact more because last year he had a 326 batting average against in balls in play. That was the second worst amongst qualified starters. The only guy worse than Nate in that category was Eduardo Rodriguez. And look, it's not his fault. It's because the Red Sox were dead last in Major League Baseball in defensive efficiency. Nate was 
plenty good enough last year, but his fielders did not pick him up. He was 16th in hard hit rate, so it wasn't like there was a lot of contact. That's balls that come off the bat at 95-plus miles an hour. He was at 36.2. He was 13th in barrel rate. So Evaldi was really good last year, not to mention the fact that he was third in baseball in pitching war behind Corbin Burns and Zach Willer. He was the best in the American League. Nate Evaldi's defense last year actually cost him an opportunity to get more consideration for the Cy Young. The reason that didn't happen is because the defense behind him sucks so bad, and the voters don't look at a lot of the advanced metrics, which would tell you that Nathan Evaldi was better than Garrett Cole last year. I know Robbie Ray wins it, but and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. You could make a very convincing argument, and I actually did during the season last year, that Nate should have won the Cy Young over both those guys. But nonetheless, getting back to my original point, one of the things that's interesting about this dynamic now is you bring in Trevor Story, that is a good defensive shortstop. Not elite, but he's definitely a good defensive shortstop. And you juxtapose that with a guy like Xander Bogarts, who is not a great defensive shortstop. Here's the problem, though. If you're Alex Cora, if you're High and Bloom, there's no way you can make that transition. Because then you're really going to rub Bogarts the wrong way. Because then you're screwing up his value as he enters free agency. As... A shortstop, right? And look, maybe eventually with whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, he eventually ends up sort of moving spots because if you look at it in terms of where these guys rank, if you just take defensive run saves from fan graphs, Story was somebody that was a lot better than Xander Bogarts, right? Story was nine defensive runs saved. That was fourth among shortstops behind Correa, Simmons, and Kiner Falefa. And Bogarts was 16th at minus 5. So you look at the difference there, it's pretty damn big. You're talking about Bogarts, one of the worst defensive shortstops. Trevor Story, at least by this metric, one of the best. But the problem is you can't do it now. Bogarts is out there publicly saying he's a shortstop. There's no way he's just going to give up his position unless he had a contract already done, which he certainly doesn't. So I just don't think you can even approach Bogarts about that. The only way it could possibly happen is if Bogarts, for some reason, an injury, knock on wood, that doesn't happen, misses time and Story fills in for him at short, and then you kind of say, ah, yeah, let's kind of keep Story there. Like, that's the only way you could sell it to Bogarts at some point this season, but you're not going to be able to sell it right now. So I know like a lot of you like me looked at these advanced metrics and you thought, okay, well, why don't they just push Bogarts over? You got to factor in the personal part of that. It's just not going to happen. Unfortunately, because obviously you get better, you get a better defensive player. If you put story at short and you move Bogarts, you get a better defensive player. Your defense in totality becomes better if you do that, but you're just not going to be able to sell that to Bogarts, especially when he's out here publicly saying that he's a shortstop still. It's just not going to work. Right. And, you have to imagine, and I expected that they were, they were in contact with Bogarts this whole time. And that's why, as badly as I wanted Correa, I never bought in that the Red Sox were in on Correa because if you're in on Correa, Bogarts is switching positions. I mean, Correa is up another level from Story as a defensive player. Correa is one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. So if he's coming here, he is playing shortstop. Story, it's a little bit of a different situation. Like, if you just look at the hierarchy of Major League Baseball— Bogarts is the more established player. And look, Story, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner. He is a two-time All-Star. But Bogarts is a two-time champion. And 
he's been one of the best offensive shortstops in the game for the past three years. In fact, you could argue, based on the numbers, he has been the best offensive shortstop in the game for the past three years. He's not moving for sure. You can't sell him on that. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen from a personal standpoint. But I did want to get back to Evaldi real quickly here. Because now this is sort of an under-the-radar thing with the Red Sox. What are they doing with Evaldi? Like, now you have Bogart's security, right? And you're hoping at some point they get something done with Devers. But at this point, Devers has one more year of arbitration after this year. And they agreed on a deal today, just over $11 million. Next year, remember Mookie's final year, he broke the record. He got $20 million, I believe it was, in his final year of arbitration. So Devers is going to want something close to that next season. But the point being is if you're Rafael Devers, and if you've already gotten to this point, you're now two seasons away from being a free agent. Why would he negotiate at this point? If a deal, if an extension was going to happen with Devers, and I'm sorry to be the person that breaks this bad news, but if a deal was going to get done with Devers, wouldn't it already be done? Right? You got this far in the process. You got this far in the process. There's no way he's agreeing to a contract now. He's getting to free agency. He knows who he is as a player. He knows he's one of the best sluggers in the sport. He's getting to free agency. So, unfortunately, that sucks. But the good news is you still have him under control for two more years. Now, back to Evaldi for a second here. What are you doing with Evaldi down the road? This is the final year of Evaldi's contract. He's entering his 32-year-old season. He's making $17 million per year. And this is finally year on that contract. And by the way, isn't it kind of crazy that the guy that you'd like the Red Sox to extend as a pitcher is Nathan Evaldi, not Chris Sale? Now, I thought the Chris Sale contract was bad from the beginning. I was, this is not me second guessing it. This is me first guessing it. Or I did at the time. But a lot of you agreed that this is just a bad contract to give to Sale, who hadn't proven he could stay healthy. Remember, the 18 postseason run. Everybody remembers that he struck out Manny Machado to end the game when he was closing. And he was supposed to start that game. Remember, he was supposed to start. He was shut down at one point during that season. He missed a start. Then he had, like, some sort of stomach issue. And we all know now what has happened with the Tommy John. And now the guy's got a freaking stress fracture in his rib. So you're never extending Chris Sale. And he's not going to opt out of his contract in two years. He, why would he? Is <laughs> this going to be hurt again? But with Evaldi now... Based on the health of Sale, can you really afford to lose Evaldi after this season? So that's why I would go to Nate now. If And he said the other day that they haven't really talked about an extension at all. But if I'm behind Bloom and Company, I'm going to Evaldi right now. I need to get something signed. And based on the fact that Evaldi has an injury history, we know that he's had two Tommy John procedures. We know that he's had two procedures to repair loose bodies. In his elbow. I don't know what the hell that means, but he had two procedures. One of them with the Red Sox in 19. Remember that whole debacle when they tried to send him into the bullpen? I mean, that did not work out whatsoever. But here's the thing about Evaldi. Based on the fact that you know you have a track record of injuries, are you willing to just bet on yourself going into free agency next year? And what I mean by that is if the Red Sox go to him with a two-year contract, or I should say this, the Red Sox frame it as a three-year contract and he gets an opt-out after the second year. If you're Evaldi, can you refuse that? Based on your injury history, it's great if you can just go to free agency and get that five-year contract, but he's going to be entering that next season in his 33-year-old year. And I know Scherzer just got paid, but that's a totally different situation. Scherzer's been an established pitcher way more than Evaldi. Evaldi's coming off his career year. Scherzer's been great for what? A freaking decade at this particular point in time. 
But if you look at some of the highest paid pitchers in the sport, Scherzer's in his own category because of Steve Cohen. He's at 43.3. <laughs> I mean, dude, the Mets are – it's unbelievable how much money they're showing up. But here's the thing about the Scherzer deal. Like, all his contracts have been good throughout his career. This is going to be the one that's bad, okay? Garrett Cole's at 36. Jacob DeGrom's at 36. Bowers at 35.3. Strasburg at 35. Sales at 30. Zach Wheeler is at 26, who finished, what, runner-up of the Cy Young last year in the National League. What if you frame something with Evaldi and you offer him the sale contract for three years with an opt-out? You offer him three years at $90 million, so he's getting the 60 no matter what, and if you continue on this level, if you're Evaldi, then you can go into free agency after that year as well. So it feels like that would be what would behoove Heim Bloom and the organization. It would behoove them to get that type of deal done because think about this rotation right now. What do you have in the future? What do you have going into 2023 if you don't have Nate Evaldi under contract? You have Chris Sale, who we don't know what the hell he's going to look like when he comes back. He's not going to pitch in what? Until the start of June? That's where you're looking at from a timeline perspective. You have James Paxton. We don't know what he's going to look like coming back from his injury. Tanner Houck, who now has been pushed into the rotation because of the injury to Sale. And maybe that was the plan all along for them. And what else is left? You get, yeah, you got a couple of prospects, but you have no sure things. You have no certainty in that rotation entering next season because I don't count Chris Sale as a sure thing. And at this particular point in time, I don't categorize Houck as a sure thing in the rotation. I really like Tanner Houck. I just wonder if they're using him in his best role. And I understand the rationale behind putting him into the rotation after this, but I just feel like I'm worried about the impact that Houck's going to have on this team in 2022. Right, I just think about it from this perspective. Hoke is a guy that we all know last year that he couldn't go through the lineup the third time through. He had an opponent's OPS over 1,400 the third time through. And I know you can say, well, it was a small sample size, all that. But we saw him when he went into the bullpen. He was absolutely dynamic, right? And his actually, his pitch usage was different. Slider usage when he went into the bullpen, it was up to 51.3%. If you look at him when he was a starter, it was at 34.6%. You look at his splitter. His splitter actually went down about 2%. It went to 5.1 compared to 7.5. And the reason that he has to use that splitter, develop that splitter, is he needs a third pitch to get out lefties. So here's the question I would pose to you. The numbers last year were not good for Tanner Houck going through the order the third time through. So if that's the case, I would much rather have Tanner Houck pitch four and two-thirds, or five and a third each week, but in three different games. Rather than Tanner Houck pitch every fifth day and only give me four and two-thirds. I just feel like you're not getting the best out of the player. I want him as a weapon out of the bullpen, and that's the same thing I want for Garrett Whitlock right now. Now, the problem is this, though. it does Based on the fact that they are have Houck getting stretched out, it doesn't feel... Like Heim Bloom is in the starting pitching market, right? And the guy that I really want them to go after is Frankie Montas from the A's. But the problem is that type of deal is going to require you to trade prospects. We just saw Bassett go to the Mets for a whole lot. That rotation, by the way, Scherzer, DeGrom, and Bassett, I mean, that looks pretty damn good. Now, they're not going to hit. That lineup's not going to hit much, but, I mean, you got a really good pitching staff if those guys all stay healthy. But Frankie Montas is a guy in Oakland right now,
that it feels like that's the perfect type of player to add to this rotation. But based on the fact that Bloom has gotten this organization up in terms of the prospect rankings, is he going to make that type of deal? I think he's fine with spending the money on story because you're not giving anything up as it pertains to prospects. And that's why, like, this whole idea during the trading deadline last year, it was just totally misconstrued. Like, people were pointing out, oh, the Red Sox don't want to spend money at the trade. It was never anything to do with money. What happened at the deadline last year, that was all about they didn't want to give up premier prospects. Like, remember people were mad that they didn't go after Scherzer? They didn't have the capital in their farm system. Like, the Dodgers gave up their number one and their number two prospects. The Red Sox guys, they're not as good as those guys in terms of the farm system. But when I look at Frankie Montes, the thing I like about him is he's entering his 29-year-old season, one more year of arbitration after this, and he's a power righty. The reason I don't like Manaya, the other guy with the A's, and I don't think this is going to happen for the Red Sox, but Manaya, by the way, he gets pounded by right-handed hitters because he's a lefty, 805 OPS the Jays had against lefties last year, and a 270 average. So their OPS was the best in baseball. Manaya last year, righties hit 271. With 18 bombs, a 758 OPS. So when I look at it from that perspective with Manaya, no way you bring him here considering the Blue Jays are in the division. You have enough lefties, right? You have Sale, you have Pax, and you got enough freaking lefties. Montas is a power righty that his fastball in terms of the velocity, it's in the 88th percentile in Major League Baseball. He throws a 96.2 mile an hour two-seamer. His four-seamer is 96.4 miles an hour. He has... An absolutely nasty splitter, which he had a 51.4% whiff rate on last season, and he's got a good slider. Now, the number's not as great on the slider last year, but you're talking about a guy that last year, 3.37 FIP, 13th of 38 qualified starters. It was the same as his ERA, 337. 26.6% strikeout rate, that's good. That's about 70th percentile. And he's a guy that had a 1.18 whip. So, a lot of swing and misses, and he's a big dude, man. He's almost, I think he's 250 pounds, 6'2", 255. He's massive. These are the guys that are successful at Fenway. Think about the Kurt Schillings of the world, right? These power righties. Oh, man, I would love him on the Red Sox, but I just feel like the price in terms of the prospects is going to be too much for Bloom. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Mike. He is in Connecticut. Mike, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, how are you? You ready for baseball? Oh, yeah, I told you I'll be bugging you again. But listen, Brian, I am not. Ha- I like that Montez uh, thing. That would be a nice acquisition. But I got to tell you, Brian, I'm not happy with this bloom at all. Whoa. And to me, to give Trevor Story six years and $140 million, I don't know. I mean, every other player that had good numbers at Colorado are not the same player, Brian. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand that sign at all. They got Myers supposed to be coming up. They got this short kid. They needed a pitcher, Brian. And I'm really sick of the sale every year now, Brian. It's going to be a little bit too much with him. Yeah, I'm with you on the sale thing, Mike. And I appreciate the call. And we'll hear a lot from you during baseball season. Appreciate it. Red Sox review. People weighing in. Justin, let's go. Baseball season almost here. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. The number. So I'm with him on the sale thing. It's just frustrating. It's every year. And I'm not, like, blaming him as an individual. It's just every year. The guy's frail. He cannot stay healthy. The guy's throwing BP. <laughs> he gets a stress fracture. Like, I mean, come on. Last year was the same thing. Like, he's coming back from the Tommy. Oh, well, he's got a neck thing. It's setting him back. I mean, 
You just can't depend on him going forward. You just cannot depend on him. I do agree with Mike that they need another starter. I've said that from the beginning. I wish they had another starter. I don't see them doing it now because there's nobody left on the market. I want them to trade for Frankie Montas. I don't see them doing that. Or Castillo, but apparently they took Castillo off the market, did the Reds. But Montas is a guy I would love the Red Sox to go after. I mean, this is a perfect guy to pitch at Fenway. I just don't see him giving up the stuff in the farm system. The story thing, I like the story deal. I disagree with Mike on that. And I gave you the numbers earlier. Once those guys get out of playing in Colorado every day, the next season they're fine. Arenado was fine on the road, although was, he wasn't as good as home last year with the Cardinals. But nonetheless, Holiday was fine. He, he was good on the road in Colorado as well. But LeMahieu is the most recent example. He was atrocious on the road. Once he got to New York, he was fine. So I disagree with Mike on that and the fact that, yeah, I understand the Marcelo Mayer part of this. But when's he coming up? We don't know how many years that's going to be. Now, he's untouchable. I would never trade the guy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, well, if he is ready to come up in, say, two years and Bogarts is out of the equation, well, story moves over to second and Meyer plays short. And I know you have York as well coming up, but you solve that issue when you get there. I mean, I'm fine with having more talented players on the roster and in the organization. So I love the story thing. There's nothing I don't like about the story thing. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on the Trevor Story signing and what else Bloom needs to do, that's on the table. We'll get into some Patriots stuff. And one of the issues I have with the approach to this offseason, but I do want to get into some Celtics next. And one of the things that sticks out to me about why this team's season turned around, we'll get into that next here on EEI. To it. WEEI Late Night and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All I do is win. Two is chopped to first and gloved by Castellanos. The Red Sox are going to win the ball game. Four to two is the final, and the Red Sox remain undefeated in spring training play. If they are going to have a real great regular season, that improved defense on the infield will be a big part of it. Oh, come on, Will. Pick it up. This is a win. 6-0 in spring training. That's all we get from Will Fleming, the voice of the Reds. I'm going to have to have a conversation with Will. Pick it up, man. They may Give me never some energy. a Grapefruit League again, Will. I know. Jeez. 6-0, that's what we get? Give us a little more. I've heard Will with some big-time calls. I've heard Will with a lot of energy on home run calls. And during the playoffs last year, pick it up, Will. You're in spring training form. Pick it up. Jeez, the lack of energy. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. By the way, I was looking at this. So I gave you those fan graphs odds earlier in terms of getting into the postseason. The Red Sox post-story deal are up to 62.5%, which is third in the American League East. Somehow the Yankees are at 84.3% to make the playoffs. They're 22% about higher than the Red Sox. How is that possible? I'm looking at the rotation. Cole, yeah, we know what Cole is, but the Red Sox get to him all the time. I mean, they rough that guy up. Uh, example would be the wild card game. They And remember the game where they scored like eight runs in the first two innings? Kike led the game off with a bomb. They own Cole. They're in his head. Severino, Tyone, oh, Montgomery, man. That guy does scare me. Remember the Red Sox went through this thing last year where they couldn't hit soft-throwing lefties? Montgomery was one of them. They lost to Montgomery. Remember they lost to Keegan Aiken? That guy freaking sucked. He had a 6.07 ERA last year. The Red Sox found a way to lose to him. There's more, too. Remember Jordan Lyles, 5.15 ERA? 
the Red Sox lost to that guy. I don't know what it was with soft-throwing lefties last year. The Red Sox couldn't beat those guys. Good news! Trevor Story absolutely clobbers left-handed pitching. So that's the good news. Let's get to Mike. He is in Cranston. Mike, what's up, man? BB, how are you, brother? Good. It sounds like baseball season. Glad to hear from you. Yes, sir. You know, and, and quickly, like, it's funny because all of our teams, I'd say the Patriots are, are like number four now. You know how we, yeah, it's kind of weird how that's happened. I'd but, agree, um, especially yeah. in terms of, Mike, if you look at best chances to win a championship, they're definitely dead last. Oh, my God. Our roster is bad, and I I had called you a mutt and I, uh, before the last Buffalo game, and I did call him baseball quickly. But like, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be an interesting season, yay or nay, because we're gonna see uh, what happens with Bill and and the program. But as far as the Red Sox go for tonight, um, I I disagree with you a little bit. Um, actually, I kind of strongly disagree with you on Bogarts because um, he's he's kind of like a Jeter to me in the sense that uh, Jeter won a Gold Glove and you know everybody was like uh, you know his defense and Bogarts plays every game and he gets to the he he's a big man so he's he's almost like a Ripken and he's he's not on the um, uh, as far as the he's a borderline Hall of Famer now. And and if he were to finish as strongly as he's he's got, I, I think four Silver Slugger awards. He's an offensive guy. He's a leader. He's the face of the franchise. He's a Boris guy, like we said. Um, but but Story reminds me of a of a Jeff Kent, and like he has an elbow issue. Why, my question to you is, um, you know, Devers, Devers goes to the DH and, you know, plays a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, You're saying next go year? To Bogut, yes, sir. About, like, in, in the future. In the future. Yeah, yeah. Bogarts and Devers are, are both evidently tight. Bogarts is a good dude. He's a, he's a good guy. And Merle, he's a great player. Um. And he's the face of your franchise. I say go to him now because he's on a, a deal that is cheap. Like it's a team friendly deal. I think it was six and one twenty when he signed it. Um, yeah, I just don't I think say, he's going to play ball, Mike. At this point, I, I don't think he's going to play ball with the country. Yeah, I don't think he is. I, and I, I think that he's going to want to get to free agency, and I'm sure Boris is going to advise him to do that. So I don't think he's going to be willing to play ball. And you're definitely going to have to offer him something more than the six and one forty that you offered Trevor Story, no right? No There's question. no way Bogart signs. You, I mean, I would offer him something you, more than that. I, I would offer him. I, I would not. Yeah, but I think he's got to be open to a position ter, uh, change long term, Mike. If you're giving him an extension, I think he would be. I think he would be. He's 29 years old, and you got the kid Myers, uh, the the kid that they just drafted to come up. I think the kid's a winner. He's a great. Uh, team player and again, you know. Remember when the Cleveland Indians back in the day they they like they signed all the young guys and excuse me because I can't think but Ramirez was in that group talking about like Manny Indians. Albert Bell that group Roberto Alomar exactly. Sandy guys, Alomar that yeah. But even a couple of younger guys who who don't I I can't remember at this point but they they went into these to these um 
to these guys uh, and bought out their, their couple of years of arbitration. John Hart did. And, you know, I say do that with Devers because Devers could be your long-term DH. You could move uh, Xander when this kid's ready in three or four years or, or hopefully soon or whatever. Uh, story can uh, – I just think that's how kind of – Gotta, yeah, look, Mike, and I, Mike I, don't, I don't disagree with your plan. I like it. I mean, I like it. I appreciate the call, Mike, as always. We'll talk to you more during the baseball season. I'd like to keep Bogarts here long term. The bat is going to play for a significant amount of time. I just think that he needs to be open. I don't think. I know he needs to be open in the future about moving out of short stuff. The problem is he's fine when the ball is hit near him. It's just he doesn't have a lot of range. He's dead last in terms of going to his right in all of Major League Baseball. It's a shortstop. That's just what the metrics are. He just does not have a lot of range. So he's going to be open to that. But the Devers thing is what scares me the most because they have got to find a way to keep Devers long term. You just don't find hitters like this. I mean, he's in the family photo of the best power hitters in the sport. You're talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You're talking about Otani. You're talking about Mike Trout. You're talking about... Bryce Harper, you're talking about Freddie Freeman. Devers is in that category. Carlos Correa, Devers is in that category. 38 bombs last year. He had a 51.5% hard hit rate, which means balls coming off the bat at 95-plus miles an hour. That ranked 15th in baseball. He barreled up 68 balls last year. That was 6th in baseball. His average exit velocity, 92.9 miles an hour. That was 14th in baseball. He was he had an 890 OPS and he absolutely clobbers righties. 978 OPS, 32 bombs. And oh by the way, the guy was out there hitting home runs in the postseason with an arm that was hanging. He's one of the best sluggers in the sport. That's the one to me that I could and I understand from like a culture standpoint, losing Bogarts may be bigger. But losing Devers, man, you cannot lose a slugger like that. You just can't. He's got rare talent. Hands are ridiculous. The guy is just so damn good. I, you cannot afford to lose Devers. That's a guy, if you asked me, hey, you got to sign Devers or Bogarts long-term, which one you doing? Devers. And it's not even a question to me, especially now that you have Story. There's no question to be whatsoever. Devers is the guy you got to lock up long-term. And, and I mean with a contract, obviously not. Lock him up. I mean, that would be bad. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right, so a lot more to get into. If you want to weigh in the Red Sox, what did you make of Heinblum's free agency so far? And what did you make of the pickup of Trevor's story? Does he need to add anything else? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. If you want to weigh in the Patriots and their lack of activity in free agency, that's on the table. Coming up next, though, there's a specific reason the Celtics are better. It's not Tatum. It's not Adoka. There is a specific reason the Celtics are better right now. We'll get into that next here on EEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.